All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. what that means folks you know what that music means it is an emergency edition of canucks conversation so thank you so much for tuning in folks my name is david guadrelli we're gonna get right to it no ads on this episode joining me is chris faber the man who has actually watched andre kuzmenko play and if you're here it means you have heard by now that andre kuzmenko highly highly coveted russian free agent has decided to sign with the Vancouver Canucks recording this on Monday afternoon the decision coming around coming down around 10:30 uh, Pacific I was the first one to get that out there I'd like to point out got those Kuzmenko post notifications on and somebody pointed out they said Gen Z reporter gets this just by scrolling Instagram I knew this was coming though it wasn't just uh it wasn't just the Instagram post but yeah and I'm a. We could have been a little earlier if I wasn't deep into a poker tournament. Oh in the my morning. gosh! I gotta tell people about this because people are tweeting at me. They say emergency episode, emergency episode. I text you. You're like, uh, I'm in a poker game, and I was doing well again. I finished seventh, so I took home uh, uh, like 180 bucks American. Not bad for a little twelve dollar entry. Like 400 people, I can come out uh, finishing seventh. I'll take it. My poker winnings have been good, but that's not here. That's not what we're here to talk about. Andre Kuzmenko is what we're here to talk about. The Vancouver Canucks have officially signed the top. European free agent. 
Uh, and we'll be joined by Dylan Griffin a little bit later from Elite Prospects and EP Rinkside. Uh, very excited. Uh, we had a good conversation with him already. We'll play that on the other side to kind of break down what Kuzmenko's game is. And I guess we'll just start with it, man. It, this is a, a big ad for the Vancouver Canucks. He's on a one-year deal. He's likely to play with one of Pedersen, Horvat, or Miller. We're seeing Rick Dollywell tweet about that right now from quotes from Jim Rutherford. That's good to hear. I think this is a player who immediately slots into somewhere in the middle six. And I think a lot of people are looking at this and thinking, well, if he's able to do even a, a, a portion of what he was able to do in the KHL, this is a player who fits into your top six right off the bat, can bring a lot of offense to your team, has a high motor. That's the big difference to me. It's like this isn't a guy who just led the KHL in score, or he was second in scoring. He wasn't, he's not just a scorer. This is a guy who creates offense. This is a guy who uses his teammates well. And I look at it in a similar spot to what Niels Huglander did, where, yes, Niels Huglander didn't have the best numbers in the SHL, but it looked like he was really bringing in his teammates to create offense. This is the type of player that Kuzmenko is. He's very good at using his teammates to help boost the creation of scoring chances. And you're going to see that at a higher level now that he's going to be playing with NHL players, some of the best in the world, instead of guys in the KHL, where, yeah, he was a top-line player for Ska, that's for sure. He was a guy who played on the first power play unit there. But he's about to get line mates now that are so much better, much more talented hockey players. Uh, Kuzmenko, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, he's a player who obviously was highly touted. There was a, a huge, um, the last couple of weeks almost feels like months. We've been following this story for a long time. And, and I, I think a lot of people didn't want to fully commit to the idea of Kuzmenko signing with the Canucks because he didn't want to be let down again. Uh, we can, we can celebrate a little bit now. I think Canucks fans can say like, wow, they, they actually got the top free agent. This is a, this is a big, big story for the Vancouver Canucks off season. This, this, Kind of looks at like, remember when I was on the Brandon Scanlon case and the Canucks were one of the the runner-ups, you could call it, to landing one of these NCAA prospects. They didn't go after Nick Blankenberg, who we really liked. Uh, you know, Jake Livingstone didn't come out. He's going to come out next year. Like, it felt like they weren't doing the best job in free agency. They were missing out on some really good players, it felt like. But now they just landed the big fish. They, you know, this is the big player available for free. And the Canucks now nabbed. Uh, Andre Kuzmenko on a one-year deal, and he's going to be a big influence into the offense next year for the Vancouver Canucks. This is a, a big story now that he's actually landed here instead of just being a story where we have to speculate him potentially being a Vancouver Canuck. And this is a story that we've followed very closely. If you haven't seen it already, we've had a lot of coverage on CanucksArmy.com about this. You can go read more about Kuzmenko. I'm sure you're going to have some stuff about him coming shortly uh, down the pipeline here. But Rutherford spoke about the process, and, and we've heard that... This deal basically was done. And again, the deal actually has to get done. Like the paperwork, all that still has to be done uh, at the time of this recording. That's what his agent, Dan Milstein, told us. But Kuzmenko basically knew he was coming to Vancouver. Last Friday, when Bruce Boudreaux drove six hours to meet him in Michigan, Patrick Alvin drove four and a half hours. I believe this came from Dollywall, what I'm saying right now. But it was that meeting in Michigan that really sold Kuzmenko on the Canucks. He also had that meeting in Vancouver. We're told now that was just more of a formality. And I don't mean to do too much sleuthing. Like, I know the Instagram photo was tagged Moscow, Russia, right? Which is where Kuzmenko is right now. But it looks like that photo was taken in Vancouver. Was it not? I don't know. 
I, I, I haven't looked at the I'd have to look enough. at the background closer, but but there's more to this. What I would like to say... I didn't see BC Place in the background, so I can't confirm he was fair. at the building that I live That's at. That's fair, although he was at, on the patio of the building you were at, which yeah, was well, very funny. Yeah, well, let's not get into you that. Should, you should have headed up there. Chicken situation there. Yeah, that was funny. But uh, Jim Rutherford spoke to Dollywall about this, and he said, Patrick, Bruce, and Francesco played big roles at different times. They really did a good job. Bruce has watched a lot of video on this player and knows, knows best how to use him. Now, I wonder, Chris, and we'll, we'll get more confirmation on this, um, you know, as we get closer to training camp and speak to Bruce, speak to Kuzmenko when they're made available. But Speaking what of, we by do the way, know, what we have heard from the agent is we should be able to speak to Kuzmenko in English without an interpreter. That is what uh, Dan Milstein, his agent, has confirmed to us at Canucks Army that his English is impressive. So we should be able to get a pretty good story out of the player instead of having to deal with uh, uh, interpreter as well. So that's kind of exciting news for us in the media. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as more information comes out, just from what we're hearing behind the scenes and everything, Bruce Boudreaux really was not the deciding factor, but he played a huge role in this. Like, he played a really big role. And it's something that you were talking about before was the respect that Bruce Boudreaux has from Alex Ovechkin and how Ovechkin told Pod Colson when he met the young 20-year-old at the time, said, listen to Bruce, he's a good coach, he'll get the most out of you if you listen to him. I'm sure that message somehow got to Kuzmenko as well. Yeah, and the way that Pod Colson talked about it in the Russian press was like, it's not only... when, When Ovechkin told him that, it wasn't just about becoming the best player possible. It was about becoming the best person possible, and that's why he should listen to Bruce. So obviously, I think, you know, Boudreaux has a, a good reputation uh, for for bringing Russians over and making the transition to the NHL. I think we, we talked about it a lot on the show. This was the Canucks. This was the strength of their pitch, was the relationship that Alvin has with Milstein, the relationship that he had, I guess, with Kuzmenko. He's, a, he's watched him for nine years, is what Dan Milstein told us here on this show just a, about a month ago. Uh, and then on top of that, having Bruce Boudreaux be the guy that is going to be his head coach when he makes that transition to the NHL. Because how often do we see these these European free agents fail? Often. We see it happen a lot. Like, you can look back in Vancouver Canucks and see Anton Rodin. Like, that was only a few years ago. What was that? Like, it only was, like, four years ago, I think, when yeah. Anton Rodin was he the the SHL MVP coming over here yeah. and doesn't even get playing time in the AHL. That's a whole probably story in its own uh, why Rodin didn't get a chance. I think there were some injuries involved as well. Uh, but, yeah, it's the situation, right? The situation around Vancouver was the best. Uh, I know that you don't have McDavid or Drysaddle to offer, but you have Vancouver. You have the organization. You have every part of the organization that makes it a positive for a guy like Kuzmenko to want to make make it as comfortable as possible to land here. And now we've seen it. Uh, it's it's exciting stuff. Like this is a player who should probably have very high expectations uh, for what he can do, and I think fans should have similar expectations for what he's going to be able to bring as well. And you know, we've been hurt before. We'll be hurt again. But this one I'm feeling pretty confident about. And even in our conversation, uh, which we'll get to in just a few minutes here with Dylan Griffin, like he's very high on Kuzmenko. This is, you know, Dylan's a guy who watches a ton of KHL action, watches a ton of Russian players. He's, I think, one of the best Russian prospect guys, basically not working for an NHL team. He, he's excellent uh, with the work that he does at EP Rinkside. And he's very excited uh, about Kuzmenko. He thinks he's going to be making a huge impact to the Vancouver Canucks. And we had a really good chat with Dylan, and we'll get to it in a second. But. I want to get your thoughts, Chris, because you've also watched a lot of this player. Now, we're hearing a lot of mixing. Obviously, Dan Milstein came on the show a couple of weeks back and, and spoke glowingly about Kuzmenko, as he should. But you can't... That's like asking Kuzmenko's mom what she thinks of him as a player. You know what I mean? You need to get 
it from an independent source. So when you watch this player, do you see a top six NHL player? I think there's absolutely potential for Kuzmenko to be a top six player. I think that, like I kind of said a little bit earlier, he's not just a guy who puts up points on the power play. He creates offense in his own neutral zone and kind of creating turnovers to turn into scoring chances. This is a player who's really good in the middle parts of the ice, not only the 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 attacking third. Like he's he's really good in the neutral zone. I think the question is going to be in his own zone, if he's able to defend against NHL talent, this is something that he's never done before. Uh, when you have, you know, now you're going to have the Nathan McKinnons, the Connor McDavid's coming down on you, having puck possession in the offensive zone. There's no line like there was, like there is when you're going up against, you know, a Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Evander Kane, or whoever else ends up playing on that line. There's no line like that in the KHL that he's ever had to defend against. So there is going to be some question about what he's like in a role where if you're playing top six minutes, you're going to be going up against a lot of top six competition from other teams. So I think that there should be a little bit of questions in that area. But the way that he moves with the puck, the way that he, you know, takes every pass in stride, is able to make every pass in stride, he's he's got a lot of traits that look like they're going to have success in the NHL, and they're kind of all offensive, but there's not a lot of question about his effort level defensively, right? Like, the only question that I have defensively about him is, how is it going to look against NHL competition? Because against KHL competition, like he plays well, he disrupts offense. It's it's a lot of things to like about him as a defensive player as well. When, you know, I think a lot of people just have the idea of Russians coming over and the KHL just being a, a league that's all about scoring and everything like that. And then, you know, maybe not having the most effort uh, in the defensive zone, but this is a guy who gave that. Like he gave a lot of effort in the defensive zone and he was rewarded for it uh, by creating so much offense from the defensive zone. And, and it's it's a player who, yeah, like he he looks to me like he is going to have success. I still think that he's more of a middle six than a top six player, but still that's a great ad for the Vancouver Canucks. It helps you kind of shuffle around what you're going to do with these other wingers like Connor Garland, Tanner Pearson, Vasily Pod Colson. You're feeling really good about your top nine when you can just add a player for free into it. Like it helps you have some options with what you want to do with that top nine. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Bruce Boudreaux plays with and how he puts out that top nine now. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of questions about contract, about where he'll play. We'll try to get to as many as we can. But one question that we got from a litany of people, Chris, the contract. So he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this deal. So the Canucks don't have exclusive rights to him at the end of the contract. It is a one-year deal at a cap hit of $925,000, so not league minimum, but there's $850,000 in performance bonuses. This, according to Cap Friendly, it is unconfirmed. They are just assuming that it will be a maximum entry-level contract, um, and details will be updated when they are confirmed. But for now, we do know the cap hit is going to be $925,000. There are going to be performance bonuses uh, as well, you can kind of look at the Artemi Panarin situation and how when he came in, he had to be on an entry-level contract. I believe that one was for two years when he was with the Chicago Blackhawks. But then based on his production, cleaned up on the performance bonuses and then cashed in on his next contract. And that's always been what it's about for Kuzmenko here, right? Like he is signing it with a team in order to get a big payday next offseason. He, I'm sure he would love to stay in Vancouver long-term, but... The main thing he's worried about is that next contract. If he signs in Vancouver, if he signed with a team and put up five points and was forced to go back to the KHL, he'd be upset. 
he would not be happy with that because his contract in the KHL wouldn't be for nearly as much as what he was probably able to sign this past offseason if he stayed in the K. This contract is all about getting his next big contract. My question for you, Chris, do you think the Canucks and Kuzmenko can find some sort of long-term solution? I know it's just in its infancy, and that might be a bit of an unfair question at this stage, but do you think this is a player that could be around for a while? Yeah, I do disagree with your your idea of all Kuzmenko's, you know, like, it's not all about what he can do after this year. The The big thing for Andre Kuzmenko and a player in this situation is first just being able to fit in in the NHL. Like, that is the biggest thing. If, you know, he doesn't have to worry about next year's contract if he can't find a fit this year. And that's why I think he chose Vancouver. I think that you have to look at this and think that it wasn't just about a one-year... If it was just about a one-year deal, Edmonton would have ran away with this. Yeah, you that's know? a really good point. They would have promised him a chance to play with Dreisaitl or McDavid, and he would have put up more points there. Simply Which put. they did, but somebody in Edmonton actually pointed this out to me. They said, you know, the Oilers have promised that to people in the past and yep. haven't followed through on it. So that gets around. That's something that just someone in Edmonton pointed out to me that wasn't coming from an agent. I don't know if that's why Kuzmenko didn't sign there. We think it might have something to do with taking him to Joey's, but... Well, well, we'll digress. Chris Gear talked about it on Canuck Central last Friday that that's something that the Edmonton Oilers have done in the past and not been able to uh, to come through with. And I think that maybe that reputation has gone around the league, obviously, uh, for, for a lot of other teams that probably were in situations where the Edmonton Oilers won the bidding. They definitely brought that up. I, I would assume they would have to bring that up in a conversation with Kuzmenko. It's like, hey, maybe all the stuff you get promised from Edmonton isn't there. Like, you know, we all remember the uh, the Edmonton video before the bubble. It's not all that. It's not as beautiful as that video looked like. I still haven't seen the beaches, uh, but to me, like it is, it is, it is interesting to look at the future here because one one really good season or one pretty good season. Like I, I don't think that I've seen. I think Dylan mentioned it too. And we'll get to that in just a minute here because Dylan has a great uh, outlook on the player. He's he's seen him play more than I have, uh, and there's a great write up as well on EP Ringside about uh, Andre Kuzmenko and what he's about to bring from Dylan. So. Uh, but long term, like I, I have to think that the Canucks had that in their back pocket as one of their strengths as well. It's like if if he has just like a pretty good season and like fits in as a middle six forward, then maybe the Canucks have the option to bring him in at you know three million dollars on a two or three year deal. Like that's still a good chunk of money. I don't think I don't think that Kuzmenko like even if he's really looking at things, uh, you know, with a. Uh, Without the rose-colored glasses on, like he would probably understand that he isn't—he probably isn't going to come to the NHL and score like eighty points, right? Like he's not going to be a thirty-goal scorer in the NHL. I don't think I'd be super excited to see if that happens with the Vancouver Canucks, but I just don't think he's going to come in and be like an eighty-point guy. Those are the type of players that get you know six, seven, eight, nine million dollars on their contracts. To me, I think that like Kuzmenko's playing this season to be able to make somewhere in the two to five range yep. on his next deal, right? And, and if he's able to prove he's a middle six player, then maybe the Vancouver Canucks want to keep that player if they're able to get him where there still probably would be some question about if he is going to be a top six player, if he just kind of comes up and puts a, a what we kind of expect for a season to be Kuzmenko is. And, my, and in my eyes, like the high end of that is 50 points. Hmm. Uh, I'd be happy if Kuzmenko puts up 20 goals. I, I'd be... I'd be very excited if he puts up 20 goals. If he puts up more than that, he's exceeded my expectations uh, for what he's able to do. So, yeah, I think there could be a long-term fit here in Vancouver, but it's still very early to kind of really put a stamp on that being something that's even considered yet because I know you mentioned that's a thing that's the big thing on his mind. To me, I think it is just about it's about making that transition. And in the end, I think that's why he chose Vancouver was because of Alvin, because of Boudreaux. Uh, that's why he wants to come to Vancouver because the comfortability – 
which is the word I tried to say on the last show. Still might not be a word. I'm not 100% sure. But the comfort level, as you uh, corrected me on the last show, is that it's the highest in Vancouver. And this is going to give him the best chance for success as he transitions to the NHL. And I'm just looking at it now. Let's not forget that Artemi Panarin's second contract with the Chicago Blackhawks had a cap of $6 million. And that was after he posted over 70 points in his first two seasons in the NHL. Two 30-goal seasons, we might add. Uh, so again, that's a Russian winger that came over, found success. We don't think Kuzmenko's going to find that kind of success. But I think the range you gave is is bang on with the 2 to $5 million, uh, being the range on Kuzmenko's next contract. Do you have anything to add or should we throw to Dylan now? Yeah, no, like uh, I'll throw it to Dylan here. Just, you know, obviously bring it in. He's watched a ton of uh, Kuzmenko. Very excited about him. And I think he's the right guy to kind of break down his game. Probably the, the best person we could have had on uh, in a snap of a second to get uh, to get some insight on because into Kuzmenko's game. So uh, let's just throw to it right now. Let's get to Dylan Griffin of EP ringside. All right. And joining us now from EP ringside, the home of the beautiful, probably the best draft guide out there right now. I don't know if it's 4,000 pages or 3,000 pages. There's a lot of pages in there, uh, but Dylan Griffin is a big part of it, especially with the Russian prospects. He's watched a ton of Andre Kuzmenko as well. Dylan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, First and foremost, let's just start with Andre Kuzmenko, obviously signing in Vancouver. That's the big topic that we're having you on for. Are you a little surprised that it was Vancouver? Did you kind of get a feeling that that might be the team where he goes with? I kind of knew uh, for a little bit now that that was kind of the, the main destination. And so I was, that was my main expectation for him. And then everything was coming up about uh, Vancouver against Edmonton. And I don't know a lot about Canadian geography, but I know that Edmonton is not as nice as Vancouver, <laughs> or at least I've been told. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think that was the last thing that kind of made, made me know. <laughs> I think the view from the hotel room might have been a little bit different uh, in Edmonton and Vancouver. And yeah, we saw the deal kind of get done here early on Monday morning, kind of sent us into a frenzy here over in Vancouver, getting very excited. Uh, I guess just starting off with Andre Kuzmenko, um, I think I know the answer to this question, but is he the biggest European free agent this year in the European free agency class? Uh, absolutely. I think he was probably even the biggest European free agent last year, and he re-signed in Russia. So the hype has continued to grow for him. I've been a big fan for the past few seasons as I've watched him, just, you know, as I'm watching other players on his team or just him specifically. So he's just really good. So I've been waiting for this move, and he finally got it. You said the hype's continuing to grow. What's this hype all about? Like, is it hype you buy into? What What makes Andre Kuzmenko so good? Uh, what's he going to be in the NHL? So the biggest thing with him is that his game really looks like it's going to translate. The KHL isn't as close as the, as close to the NHL as they think it might be. Um, so it, it's kind of hard to look at a KHL player and see an NHL player because the game is just played so differently over there. But what he does, what he brings is, it, like, it's not the flashiest of star power. It's not anything like that. But he, he plays a really fast game. He is able to adapt well under pressure. He uh, he kills transitions. He's just really smart through, through all that. He does it all with such pace. It's really incredible to watch. And it's not something that you really see with players in that league. They don't really play the NHL style of game. Um, the, the main thing with him is just going to be how – you know, the the defending changes from KHL to NHL because there is a lot of differences there. Um, but he he's gonna he's gonna have a hard time at first, I think. He just seems like it's gonna be like a kinda of feeling out process. But he's a smart enough player. I think he'll adapt quickly. 
I don't know if he's going to be like that first line player that some people I saw already saw uh, Kaprizov comparisons. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's going to be that right away, but. Uh, it's definitely very promising just because how translatable that skill is. No, and, you know, I watched a lot of him, obviously, when Vasily Podkolzin was there watching a lot of prospect work and just kind of, you know, this guy kept popping up, putting up a decent amount of points and obviously took a big jump this past year where uh, something that, that you kind of just mentioned there was him shutting down transitions. Like, that was something that that I've really seen Kuzmenko kind of grow in the past couple of years here. Uh, just watching the tape this year compared to two years ago, like he, he's forcing so many turnovers in the neutral zone, but not only forcing turnovers, but being able to have enough skill to, to turn those turnovers into scoring chances. Is that a big thing that that is a little bit different from somebody who just maybe puts up a lot of points in the KHL? Like it feels like Kuzmenko's a guy who goes out there and makes it happen with scoring chances instead of just scoring chances coming to him. Yeah, he's definitely more of a creator than anything else. Uh, the overall defensive game is kind of weak. It's not very proactive uh, off the puck, but he obviously does chip in. Uh, he does make those turnovers, like you said. And then just that speed to just burst through the entire defense. He has hands as well, so he can you know he can take guys on one-on-one or he'll just blow past them. And then he's not really looking to be the main shooter. Uh, he's you know always looking around, seeing it who he can distribute the puck to, who's going to have the better opportunity. Maybe he'll give it off and then cut to the net for a give and go. Anything like that, he's just really smart. Every single time he enters the zone, he knows exactly what he's going to do. Mm. Um, he does, a lot of his offense does kind of seem to come from behind the net, uh, which is another thing that may uh, take some time. Uh, not really sure if his strength is quite enough in that area. Uh, to really hold off like NHL caliber physical defensemen. But if he can get that going, the playmaking from behind the net is so good. It's probably like, like one of the first things I noticed about him was just how strong he is from just moving the puck from behind the red line. Uh, so he's got that. He's got, you know, with the pace, without pace, everything. It's all this playmaking skill. It's going to, I think that's going to translate really well. I guess that's kind of where I want to move to now with, with his work on the power play, because I think he saw a lot of offense kind of generated from behind the red line there. Uh, what else did you kind of notice from him and his power play work? Uh, yeah, it's mostly just moving the puck really, really fast, really efficiently. Sorry. Uh, he's just always looking like two steps ahead. And that's just really, it's kind of the player that he is always knowing what's around him. He's always scanning. Uh, and then, he can move into positions where he can't shoot. Again, he's not, he's probably not going to be the guy that you expect to be the trigger man, but just a really efficient mover. Uh, and then he has the ability to activate, use his hands, use his speed, anything, get to the net and get those high danger chances. He doesn't really like to waste chances with, you know, like kind of weak wristers from, from the walls and hoping to get something going on in the crease, anything like that. Uh, he's always looking for like the highest danger chances. That's something that's really valuable that he brings to the power play. I guess one of the the weaker points of his game from watching him is just, and maybe it's not even that weak in the KHL, but I think what we're going to see in the NHL is just like in zone defending. Like once another team's set up in his own zone, do you have any worries about that in the transition to the NHL? Um, maybe just a little bit. Um, he, I don't really think that it's like going to hinder him too much. I think maybe if he like moves down the lineup, that's when it's going to kind of affect him more. But you know, playing in like a top six role, I think that the like creative, the creativity, the reads that he makes, uh, I think it's all just gonna be, it's all gonna work out for him in that regard. Do you think that he is a top six player in Vancouver to start the season? I think he kind of has to be. 
uh, I feel like that's just kind of see what his skills can do at the level. Um, I don't really think that Vancouver is really going to be pushing super hard to, you know, be like a high contender for next year. So uh, just giving him the shot up there. If it doesn't work out, you can move him to, to a lower line and then throw him on the power play as well. But just the speed that he has, you know, throw him with a guy like Pedersen who can kind of work with that. Uh, that's going to be if they put those two together, that's probably going to be like one of the most <laughs> exciting duos. Uh, so that'd be something that would be interesting. But realistically, I do see him starting maybe maybe second line, uh, but definitely on the power play. And, you know, just really making use of that playmaking ability and the speed. What can you tell us about the relationship with Vasily Podkols? And we know there were line mates, so there's a lot of chemistry there. Should Canucks fans be expecting to see those two together? Uh, I'm not totally sure with them. Uh, I didn't really see them playing together all too much while they were in, while, while we were in Russia. Um, but they, the play styles kind of kind of match where Podkols and kind of does more of that hard work, and then Kuzmenko can work with work off of that, you know, and then be the main creator on the line, maybe throw him with like a with a good finisher as well, but I'm not really sure the the real chemistry between those two. If you had to give us a projection for his first year in the NHL, what are you saying Kuzmenko finishes with? Um, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I guess it kind of just depends how they use him. I could see him being a guy who just, you know, puts up an assist, like constantly just firing pucks in and kind of working off that. Um, but that's for an overall projection. I, I'm really not sure. Uh, I, I think a question I also have, just looking at Kuzmenko's play, like I, I guess, sorry, one of the one of the strengths in Kuzmenko's game you kind of mentioned is playmaking. Is that the one thing that kind of sticks out to you, or is it like stick handling? Like, I guess maybe just give us like a, a review of kind of his offensive traits because we know about uh, obviously the playmaking, is something that's at a high level. How's the shot? Like, what are some of the bigger strengths of his game? Uh, so, definitely, it's, it's, it all kind of leads back to the playmaking. He does have a good shot. He doesn't really utilize it too much. Uh, and again, it's like the the idea of he wants to get the best possible opportunities. So, like, when he enters the zone off the rush, he's not really looking to, you know, just shoot the puck right away. He'll work the puck in. He'll, you know, pass it around. Or he'll just, you know, skill and speed right from that. Um, so, it's all just kind of high value offense from him so just whatever he needs to do uh it's kind of the culmination of all of his offensive tools working together and he like there's no there's no real weakness in his offensive game he he's so dynamic he's so creative so that's it's all it's all just so good from him i'm a huge fan (laughs) i I think And then even to just like take a step back and, and kind of just look at this, like in general, like maybe you can just give us an outline of like how significant of an ad is this for the Vancouver Canucks next season? Is that this is a player that you kind of project to be on a second line? That's a big deal. That's going to, you know, maybe push down some other players or maybe he fits in on a third line and then you have three lines of scoring. Like how significant of an ad is this to an NHL roster specifically here in Vancouver? I mean, it's huge. Uh, obviously it's a low risk. High reward signing is all and these ELCs from Europe are. So even if he doesn't work out, you know, it doesn't really cost him anything. But if he does, you got this really effective player making just about no money for the next year. Uh, and he works out. He's a player that you can have. You, know, you can kind of staple into your middle six, maybe even your top six for years to come because of what he brings, the offensive skill. Um, he's not going to be a player that carries Vancouver to the playoffs, I don't think. 
alone. Um, but you just want to be one of those effective, maybe more complimentary players that you just always want to see in that in that role that they give them. Awesome. I, I didn't prepare you for this, but I know you are prepared to answer this question. I have to ask about a draft prospect as well, an interesting one. Uh, in Vladimir Grudinin, uh, the defenseman out there, very slight for sure, but there's a lot of excitement around his skating. Uh, we'll we'll kind of close out this interview with a little bit of draft talk here. Uh, with Vladimir Grudinin, where do you see him going? Uh, is he a player that, like, I've seen him in rankings all over the place, and then obviously the Russia factor might mean that he kind of slides a little bit. I don't think he's a first-rounder. I'm curious to get your thoughts if he's in the second or third round or, or even later than that. Yeah, where he goes is I, I've, I've been thinking about him a lot. I really like him. He's in my first round, like mm-hmm. early first, mid early first. But I mean, I think that he's probably going to go fifth, sixth round. Um, and that's just based on the fact that wow. obviously the Russian factor that we, you know, we it's all speculation right now how it's really going to work out of the draft, but it seems like it's going to be bringing a lot of players down. And obviously the size, um, perhaps the lack of offense as well to be worrying because I don't know how much a team really values a, a five foot ten more defensive defenseman. Um, so probably late late in the draft but something's gonna get a really good player there wow i'm a, I'm a little surprised because like i think in the in the draft guy that you guys have up at ep ringside right now like uh, was he not voted like one of the best skaters in that draft from from you guys oh, together yeah he's this defensive skating is so incredible he's shutting guys down at the khl level and he's tiny and young <laughs> and that's so that's not really something that's expected from him Wow. Okay. So you're saying fifth, sixth. That, that will be an interesting player to see if anybody does want to take a risk on him. I thought, you know, an interesting spot for the Canucks who need defensemen, maybe a third or fourth round option there. Well, hey, Dylan, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, obviously, people need to check out the draft guide. It's up right now at EP Rinkside. It's absolutely uh, way more valuable than a cost for a subscription right now. You guys are giving up so much information uh, and just wanted to give you props, man. I've been, I've been loving the draft guide. A lot of your input, obviously, on these Russian players has been great. And uh, thanks for joining us here on the show again. Thanks for having me on. All right. And a massive thank you to Dylan Griffin of EP Ringside for joining us. Chris, this was a fun episode, fun emergency pod. We haven't done one of these before, in a long time. Before we wrap things up, just wanted to say, and I, I talked to J- J.D. Burke about this as well. Like that uh, that draft guide that they have, like I think I joked about it off the top of the interview with Dylan, but it's I think it's legitimately like 800 pages. Like it That's is wild. It is incredible to see the amount of work that they, that not only what they did, but how they were able to format it. It's it's incredible. It's awesome. I've been, uh, it's been, what do you, it's, it's been my Bible for, for the draft over the last little bit here. There you go. It's been good stuff. Been good stuff. All right. We'll hit it with an outro. Well, let's say, well, we got, oh, yeah, we got, got more a, shows coming up here. This week. isn't the week. This isn't the midweek show. Relax. I know. I know. I was getting to that. No, no you weren't. You were close out. I know. I wasn't, but I will get to it. Yeah. Yeah. On Wednesday, we'll have an episode. Uh, and Saturday as well, regularly scheduled. This is a bonus episode, so it does not affect the regular weekly programming, folks. So if you're listening to this late, you probably have an episode. 273 and 274 might be out by the time you're listening to this. But the week after that, vacation week. Yes. We're taking one week of vacation. Yes, please bear with us. We're taking one week of vacation. I'm going to the Maritimes. You're going to just party it up. I don't and say where I go. Get wild for a week <laughs> here and go off the map. Yeah, I'm blackout every night. Yeah, well, it's it's my first vacation in two years. Like it's my first yeah, one where I'm not gonna be. Ch- I'm not bringing my laptop. I'm not checking anything. Shout out Mike Gould at Nation Network. He's gonna be covering me at Canucks Army. 
Um, he's going to be kind of running the show there. The Goldfather. From the Quadfather the to the Goldfather. Exactly. He's going to be running things. I'm going to be tweeting a lot because I'm going to the Maritime. I'm doing PEI, Nova Scotia, yeah, New I'm Brunswick. Not I'm, not, I'm not checking my phone, man. I'm like, I'm going to enjoy this time off. I'm just going to post pics and not, uh, maybe I'll do what you do where you send out a, a banger tweet and then uh, mute notifications. That's what I did today. I tweeted yeah, Andre Kuzmenko was signed with the Canucks. Instantly mute notifications. I'm told there's Oilers fans that are really bitter uh, in my mentions which doesn't surprise me but yeah i haven't even dunked on our friends at oilers nation that's how busy we've been this monday morning i haven't even texted downtown jay to rub it in and we're both wearing suits we got to go do our video right yes. now too like this is uh running. i didn't even i didn't even get the uh the ac going i'm getting a little sweaty in here a little swampy it's okay it's okay so we're let's get out to, there uh, and uh let's wrap this up let's go like you said couple of big guests this week on the show then we're going to take a week off but yeah we still got an episode coming on wednesday uh and saturday as well so it'll be a good one and I was pumped we could do this because I don't have to work a shift at Sportsnet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you could not have left Sportsnet at a better time. I was just thinking. If, was... if this had happened and you were still at Sportsnet, I would have got a text like, sorry, man, I'm pushing buttons from 1030 yep. to 430. I know. I would have said I'm pressing pressing the ding for Thomas Drance right now every time he says Florida Panthers, but don't even have to do that anymore. Perfect day. For, perfect uh, first day away from Sportsnet. Oh, it couldn't, it couldn't, couldn't happen been, any better. But we, we like Sportsnet. Canberra, great guy. Yeah. Great boss. We like Canberra. Text him to the uh, inbox and tell him that you want <laughs> uh, the Canucks warm-up back next fall. We want to be back there next fall. Yeah, we, we are, we're hoping to be back. But um, that's all we'll have for today, folks. You can tune in on Wednesday. We'll have a couple big guests. We're not going to announce anything. That's come back to bite us in the bum yeah, a we, few times. In so. the bum, eh? Yeah, in the bum. Okay. Has it not bit us in the bum? Where would you say it bit us? In the butt. In the butt, yeah, the bum, the butt. Bums and butts. Okay, finish this yep. damn thing. <laughs> okay, we'll close it out there. Uh, for my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to an emergency edition of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?